1: And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place.
2: Welcome to Hollywood and Levine. I'm Ken Levine, your podcast host. This is part two of my two-part interview with Sally Stevens who you have heard a million times. She is a session singer, and she has been on Sinatra songs, on hit songs. You've heard her in movies, commercials, variety shows. For 20 years, she's been the choral director of the Oscars. And this week, we're going to talk about working with Burt Bacharach, uh, dealing with Karen Carpenter, a great Steven Spielberg story, uh, composer John Williams, a lot of names being dropped here in this episode, folks. Steven Sondheim, Danny Elfman will get into The Simpsons and, of course, the Academy Awards. That and much more. Part 2 with Sally Stevens this week on Hollywood and Levine. The
0: Simpsons.
2: You toured with Burt Bacharach. I did. Talk a little bit about him.
1: Oh my gosh. He was... He's one of a kind. He's a He's, you know, he's 94, yeah, 94 years old, because he's 11 months older than I am, or 12, something like that, Um, a year, a, a year and a half, um, I mean, 11 years, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, I
2: was going to say, hello, yeah, you're 93, no, you 11. look really good for 93, I got to tell you.
1: <laughs> he he he, um, he was so innovative you know and, and and guys in the early days used to say his melody sounded like the third alto part or something but he he came up with concepts that were after his little basic hit records in the mid 50s and late 50s he came up with these songs that were so unusual and special when he when he scored Butch Cassidy it was a whole new thing that he brought to film scoring with vocals and the way he used the vocals and um
2: and you're on those vocals yes, correct yes,
1: yep yes. Uh-huh. i did the mm-hmm. little line on the the one uh, the uh, south american getaway was the long piece that he did the a cappella piece
0: uh-huh.
1: and and it was beautiful and it's it's survived the, till today and people still talk about it um he uh he was a, a precise musician he knew exactly how he wanted his songs performed the innuendos the the phrasing the and everything and I'm sure that's why the artist that he worked with had so many hits because he had that kind of input to their performance and when we when we did uh I did some solo work for him in concert and I, I was blessed to write a lyric for him on one project uh uh after he and and uh um, how david no he had his, his first wife uh the, the, i mean his uh, angie
2: dickinson and
1: Angie, yes he, that was his second wife but angie and he broke up he was he lived in a little condominium on sunset boulevard and he was working had a concept for an album which eventually became woman that album but the original concept was to write a whole storyline about life through a woman's eyes you know and we met many times there and and worked on lyrics and songs eventually that trans transformed into a uh, an album that included songs with lyrics by women but it was not a it was all, not all one subject one flow so i got to one of my songs went into that lyric and we recorded it i mean into that album and we recorded it with the houston symphony um the thing about bert is that Writing is, I believe, music is still a part of his everyday. He, he, the last time we spoke was uh, well he wrote this lovely blurb for the book, so kindly. But the last time we had dinner was probably ten years ago, and he said, "I, you know, I get up in the morning and I go to the keyboard, and that's that's what I continue to do." And he's written with so many different collaborators uh, that his songs have continued to be current and. He's just amazing and a very kind man.
2: When you collaborate with him, does he have the music first or does he hear your lyrics and uh, create a melody to that? Or do you do it head to head?
1: Well, it, was, um, it was kind of, it happened in all those ways. I can remember sitting next to him. He, he had a little upright piano at that time that he was working on and I was sitting next to him and uh, we some of it came together at the same time some of it i think um i would bring lyrics in and he'd look them over and if there was a line that he liked maybe he'd do something to that line or he had a little melody and and i'd find the lyric that fit that melody um the piece that i wrote that 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 ended up in the album is called there is time and the vocal part is really very short it's it's a It's, I think, you know, like 16 bars once through, but it's got a very long instrumental um, development then that he goes into. But it was a very personal lyric, and I think it was probably about Bert and I, basically. (laughs) And I was able to write about it because it came later in life.
2: Yeah, I just picture the two of you sitting at his piano. And (laughs) I think, you know, for myself, there was a point where I was writing with Larry Gelbart, who oh. is basically the Mozart of TV writers?
0: Yes. And
2: at one point, I just stopped and I I said to myself, Oh my God, I'm writing with Larry Gelbart. Can't, did, can't. did you have that moment, too, where you're going,
1: Jesus Christ, I'm writing with Bert oh, Bagrack? I, I'm sure. I, I had it constantly, <laughs> and it probably intimidated what I was bringing to him. You know, oh, and I can't show him this. This is crap. You know. <laughs> um what what projects did you did you work on some projects with larry how
2: yeah mash you? and after mash
1: oh my god yeah
2: gosh. yeah
1: how yeah. fun we, i sang on on uh the film and the tv thing i think with uh the the song that um that the director's son wrote the lyrics for there was right one.
2: right I, yeah you sang on the movie you never sang on the tv show because we never ever vocal. used the vocals to that song Right. purposely, that's yeah. right purposely oh. we we avoided that,
1: <laughs> oh uh, did you ever work with the carpenters? yes, <laughs> <laughs> yes, I did, and um uh and I and there and you was when you spoke about lady singers, um the one memory that I have with them it was it was a it was a large choir, it was their Christmas album, and she's an amazing singer, God bless her, I don't mean to say anything mean, but um we had one chart where we were singing, the Sopranos were singing high C's over and over again, and she was feeling that there was something wrong with the pitch, and my whole career, the pitch has been the primary focus of my, if I hear something that's out of pitch, it drives me crazy, so I know that we were not out of pitch, it might have been a different uh, part in the chord, but, and I would go in the booth, and we'd listen, and I and I I tried to gently say to her, you know, we don't have too many more of those because those are high C's. They're just going to get pretty worse if we sing them too many times. And she just looked at me. She said, "Well, you can go home if you want." And uh, and I've I've never forgotten that because hmm. it was kind of just you know well, we don't need you get get out of here. We could. I I haven't, I didn't do any backups with it. The first time I worked with them, actually, was the first live concert that Bert did as an artist out here on the West Coast. And that must have been in 1968 or so, 67, 68. And they were Bert's opening act, the Carpenters. And they had just released, uh, close to you, I think, uh, they just released uh, something on uh, A&M and they were just young kids and we thought oh how darling aren't they cute and aren't they amazingly talented but um i didn't really work with them a lot once you know we got into the
2: yeah right although she certainly had an amazing voice
1: yes she did yes she did and I, I, she was not i got, i will confess she was not one of my favorite singers because it sounded too constructed to me it didn't sound spontaneous in the moment Mm-hmm. What, what of course, she, you
2: wonder how much of that is her and how much of that was Richard Carpenter.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And and a funny story. I, I don't remember if this is in the book, I, but um, uh, they were often asked to license songs and Richard would not allow it. And there was an episode that we did for uh, the X-Files of a sort of a sound alike uh, to uh, Close to You. And a few years later uh The movie, what's uh, uh something something about Mary? What was that? Yeah,
2: something about Mary. Uh,
1: they wanted to license the song again, and Richard wouldn't allow it. And so the the gentleman that was head of uh, legal affairs at Fox, Tom cavanaugh who was a dear, said, "Well, we happen to have another version of that," and they licensed the version that we'd done for X Files. So huh. very yeah. cool, very yeah.
2: cool. You also yeah. got to work with directors. And you worked with Steven Spielberg. Yes. You, you tell a great story in your book about how he fixed your camera.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, well, Steven, you know, obviously was very connected to the music for his films. He and John had a long, well, I still have a long connection. And um, I had been asked to find a solo vocal for the for the vocals in Munich. And there's a wonderful singer who's also a composer herself, Lisbeth Scott. But in those days, she was only doing singing, and um, she she came in to do the vocals. And I asked if I could come to do uh, to photograph the the uh, session because I was do, starting to do some of that. And we were on the scoring stage at Fox. Um, no, I'm sorry, at Sony. And. Uh, I was stumbling around the stage trying to be inconspicuous and I tripped over one of the bases on the sound baffle things and my camera went flying across the floor and bounced on the wood floor and I was fiddling with it and and, uh, um, Stephen could see me and he said let me take a look at that and I don't know what he did but he took it into the control booth came out a few minutes later and he said this should be fine now (laughs) and it was (laughs) And um, I'll I'll never let go of that camera. But on that same session, at one point, while um, Lizbeth was doing her vocals, Stephen was sitting at a little table behind the vocal booth, tears running down his face. He was just, uh, oh, that was an emotional project for him, too, that one.
2: Well, obviously. But he was was a mensch. You also mentioned how he made a point of thanking everybody.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Yes, recently on a on a Ready Player 1, one of his more recent films, I was there as a singer for Rick Logan who was contracting and conducting and he came out before the session and he said it, you know, it's been a while since we've had vocals on a film score and I want to thank you all for being here, it makes such a I and mean, he was just so gracious and so kind. Everybody was thrilled to see him in person there on the scoring stage.
2: Yeah, he'll never be confused for Danny Kay in terms of behavior. (laughs) No. (laughs) You also worked on the uh, film Dick Tracy, which was Stephen Sondheim. Uh Was Sondheim around? Did you work with him at all?
1: No, uh, we didn't. As I recall, at least not the sessions that I did. I I did a couple of background things for that film. Um, But many years later... Uh, and again, he wasn't there in person. But many years later, Stephen did a, a, a special lyric, a, a satire lyric or a rewrite lyric of his original, uh, putting it together from uh, I, I forget what play, what musical show that was from, but one of, obviously one of his shows. And he did a special lyric of putting it together about a, a film project. First, you do this, and you do that, and you do this, and and um, Bernadette Peters was to sing it on the Oscars broadcast that year but we had to do a demo of it for her and um and the lyrics were it just went on and on and right and and we demoed it uh with bill conti sitting in the booth and um and then bernadette did a great job of it for the show but i did the vocal for the demo and i it's an amazing lyric and i think bernadette peters and i are the only people who've ever sung that lyric Hmm. that was that, that was kind of fun so
2: you've done some demos. Uh, you, you sent me one that I'm going to play here in a moment, uh, hmm. where uh, they were putting together the Sinatra Duets album, uh-huh. and I guess they wanted Barbara Streisand to sing a duet with uh, Old Blue Eyes. And <laughs> yeah. so you did the duet demo with yeah. Sinatra.
1: Yes, I did. That's a treasure to have that copy. I'm so grateful to Pat for letting me have a copy.
2: Let's listen to that now.
1: Okay. How glad the many millions of Jonathan's and William's would
0: be to capture me. But you had such persistence, you wore down my resistance, I felt fell, and it was swell, you're my big and brave and handsome Romeo, how I won you, I shall never, never know, it's not that you're attractive, but oh my heart grew active, had the least notion that I could fall with so much emotion. Who taste I never had the least notion That I could fall with So much emotion I could 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 you possibly care For a lovely cottage that, that we, we could share, share The world will pardon my much Yes, I, I have A crush My baby on you
2: You were good. I, he was meh, but but you you were really good. You <laughs> kind of sang in her style. Was that on purpose?
1: Well, a little bit, yeah. They they knew who they wanted to 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 have to sing that duet with him. So, but you know, I I I was I I never felt a, a close to sounding like Barbra Streisand. But I also did an end title uh, for one of the Simpsons episodes over the end credits, a, a shortened version of People. And that one—that's gotten a lot of attention on uh, on YouTube, and people have wanted to know if they if the whole song was available. We never recorded the whole song; we just, you know, just thirty seconds worth for the end title. So I—I I don't consider myself equivalent to Barbara Streisand, but I—I I leaned in that direction sometimes.
2: Yeah, we were able to get Tony Bennett to sing a song in one of the Simpsons episodes that we wrote.
1: Oh, well, fun.
2: <laughs> so the Simpsons. We got to get to that, certainly. Okay. Um, you're the person who sings The Simpsons. How did yes. that come about? And I bet you had no idea when you recorded it that day that it would be seen by a billion people f- forever. A hundred years from now, people are going to be watching and listening to that.
1: Absolutely, Ken. I, you know, when you you go, well, how it came about is that I had done uh, Danny's vocal contracting on several, once he started doing film scoring, I did the vocal contracting for him on Pee Wee's Big Adventure and a Beetlejuice and Edward Scissorhands and a couple of the Batman films. And then, as you know, there's a chapter in my book about how I screwed that one up, but... um for But at that point, I had vocal contracting and worked with him, and he called and had this little project that Fox had asked him to do, and so we went in and did the demo. Danny is singing on it as well. It was Danny and myself and my daughter, Susie, who had started to do sessions at, by that time. And um, yeah, you, you do those things and you think, well, I don't know, this is weird. Maybe this will go, maybe it won't. And it's been airing now for 33 years, that little vocal that we did. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Now I want to get into the Academy Awards because oh. you spent 20 years, 20 years as yeah. the choral director for the Academy Awards. So yeah. that, that must have been fun being oh. at all those rehearsals and seeing yeah. all of those stars and incidents.
1: It was amazing, Ken. I I had sung on, on the show many times before I was asked to contract Um, just as a singer, and I remember the early days, we we would sit on the floor over at Western Recorders and wait for the cues that needed vocals because they would pre-record everything there. And then the show would be done at the Santa Monica Auditorium or something. But once it really got to its full bloom, um, when Bill Conti became uh, uh, musical director, after a couple of years, he hired me because I'd work on a couple of his films. And we did the, uh, I did the vocal contracting and, and kindly Michael Seligman gave me screen credit as choral director, which was lovely. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we, we went by
2: pretty fast though. I got to tell you,
1: (laughs) I I know, I know they always do. (laughs) And, And, and one of the last shows that he worked on that Michael worked on, he gave all of us, this was the show that we had the, the choir on camera doing the, uh, over the bridge glory the song from um uh uh, the uh, song about uh, or the show about the demonstrations in the south and and um and then there was another on camera ensemble that we, we sang with uh lady gaga and he gave all of the singers and there were there was a choir of like 30 some singers and um, very kindly. That never, never happened. Anyway, um, yes, we did some on-camera things. We did, if there were guest artists, like when we were mentioned Dick Tracy, we did the backups for um, Lady Gaga. Or was it Madonna? That was Madonna, I think. Yeah, it
2: was Madonna. Mm-hmm. Madonna.
1: And, um, she was
2: the Lady Gaga of her era.
1: Yes, she was. And she was there that night with Michael Jackson. After she finished her number, they were sitting in the front row. We could see them from the orchestra pit. But Bill had this wonderful system in the beginning uh, and throughout where the the singers were very much a part of the orchestra. And there would be vocal cues for everything that was nominated. And there would be five of them because you don't know who the winner is. And then once the winner was announced, we'd just give the downbeat and we'd sing whichever cue on that page of sheet music was the one that matched the winner's. So that was kind of fun and required being very attention paying and.
2: Yeah, I would say. Uh, were you nervous? <laughs>
1: um, it, at first, I think we were, but it, we got to understand that, you know, as as the evening progressed, uh, uh, as happens, one film might win more than one or two awards, and so you were singing the same cue from time to time. I will never forget the episode. Uh, I'm getting off the rails here, so you can cut this if you want. But now, keep it. <laughs> Um, this the, the year that uh, you know, I, I have worked if you that at the back of the book, there are, I think about 18 pages of single spaced film and television and record uh credits that they suggested I include, which I, I did. And it's not, it's a partial list, but I was um invited to join the Academy Award, the uh, uh, uh the Oscars, Film Academy. Um, uh, 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 so you about- can vote. No, I because I didn't get in. No, Alan Silvestri wrote the letter for me, and Don Davis wrote the follow-up letter. And I had the requirements, but they weren't within the three-year period. I had written lyric for film and stuff. Anyway, I, I was denied entrance. And, <laughs> and I got pretty pissed off because the, the year that, that we were, one of the years we were doing the vocals, the song that won was It's Hard Out Here for a Pimp. And uh, it was <laughs> the wrap. Yeah. yeah, I, and I remember. The, and the guys who <laughs> wrote that song were automatically members of the Academy just by virtue of being nominated. And I don't know that they've ever written another music, another song for a film since that time, 15 years ago, or whenever it was. But, you know, the the, 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 the politics of the business always enter in. So
2: I know I'm bitter. I mean, I was denied entrance to the Academy and... and and I co-wrote Mannequin Two. Oh my goodness! So screw them.
1: <laughs> May I ask you who wrote your letter? Who wrote your uh, invitation or whatever they're called?
2: Uh, probably Larry Gelbart.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, isn't that something? Yeah. And, and I, I know that you know it's a tight knit group, and they don't want people in there that are going to be voting who who are not. Well, I'm sorry. It's 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 political and and it's it's there are a wonderful bunch of people in there. And it's and it's become, I've noticed lately, uh, very much more open to women composers. Um, You know, it's like they're they've been pushed in the other direction. So it it has changed a bit. But at that time, it was very. um,
2: And you're still doing it. And you were on the Grammys. What year were you on the Grammys?
1: Well, the most recent one was, I think, 2017 or 16. It was when uh, we, we stayed back up for S- 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 S Sturgill Simpson, who was nominated and won for the Best Country Album. And we were on camera and fun, lots of fun. Well, the-
2: you, you've had a, a great career, and I, I enjoy listening to you, even though I have no idea it's you. Does that bother <laughs> you? That <laughs> you have this huge career and no one
1: knows who the hell you are. Oh n- no, it doesn't bother me. But it would be, you know, it was. It's sad that I think the. I've re- learned recently from somebody that the musicians' union has changed one of their rules, and it has become that you have to list the musicians on a film score, and maybe that will trigger listing the singers. I on I noticed on Nope that the most recent score Michael uh, Abel scored. Um, it was uh, that that they listed all the singers and all the musicians in the end credits. So maybe that has kicked in. But they, they, and when you're part of a choir, I, I personally, the only value is that somebody else looking to put a choir together might notice who the choir was and they liked it and they get some of those people and it might mean another job. But what was always sad to me was that even when we did the solo vocals, we didn't get credit. You know, I wrote the, the main title for On Any Sunday with uh, Dominic Frontier. It was my first opportunity to write f- uh, lyric for film. And, and it's a
2: motorcycle movie, yeah, right? Yeah. You wrote about a motorcycle movie?
1: I, I did indeed. <laughs> you ever write
2: a motorcycle in your
1: life? I rode behind my brother and I rode behind the vice cop I was engaged to back in the UCLA days. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) You got street cred. All right. I I guess so, because that film has become iconic among motorcyclists. I've I've had two or three interviews in the last four or five years from people who have traced me down, tracked me down. And and I, I got credit for writing the lyric, but not for singing the main title and when some one of the guys that writes for motorcycle magazines found that that was the case he reached out and we we I've done several interviews but it's i think the, that part of my identity where you are actually a, a single person doing something on, all by yourself that 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 would be nice that people knew about
2: right well you do have a book and um you know we can learn about you there it's called i sang that and it's available i guess wherever books are sold, which means Amazon.
1: It's basically online orderable from Amazon and Barnes of Noble. Barnes uh-huh. and,
2: yeah. Very cool. And you've 18 pages, single spaced of, of things and all the, the songs you sang on, all the hits and great movies and everything. And, and I am going to go out with my favorite Sally Stevens Song. This is my favorite of all the things you've ever done. This is my favorite.
1: Oh, can't wait to hear it. KFI, Los Angeles,
0: KFI 640.
2: And there you go. That is my two part interview with Sally Stevens. And again, her book is called I Saying That, and it is available wherever books are sold, which is Amazon. Anyway, our thanks as always to Adam and Susie Meister Butler, Howard Hoffman, John Wolfert, Bruce, and Jason Miller. My email address is hollywoodlevine at com. That's hollywoodlevine at com. Thanks again for sending in your questions. Keep them coming, and I'll try to do that on a regular basis. That was kind of fun answering your questions a couple of weeks ago. Okay, uh, see you again next week, and uh, my apologies to Sally Stevens because this is one jingle she doesn't sing Hollywood and the fine